G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. We only really need faith to get through the things that we can't get through on our own. And sometimes that's the last thing we want or need. Some days having faith is inconvenient. But try telling that to God. Hi, I'm Bernie Diamond. Thanks so much for joining me again on Christianity Works. Yet needing faith, having to exercise faith, isn't always convenient or comfortable. But it's a bit like the strength in a muscle in your body. You either use it or lose it. Today we're continuing in our exploration, if you will, of faith. What is it? When and where do we need it? And how do we get it? Christians talk a lot about faith, our faith walk. Faith this, faith that... But faith isn't something you just talk about. Faith is something you live, and living it, as anyone who's tried it will tell you, oftentimes is a whole bunch more difficult than talking about it. Today we're going to have a look at the faith it takes to give up something that we really love, something that we really want. People want to call Jesus Lord, right? You hear them praying, Dear Lord, thank you, Lord. Lord is a term, too, that we bandy around. But to call someone Lord is an act of submission. Back in the days when the Bible was written... Someone called Lord often had the power of life and death over you. Lord means that we accept that we have to do things his way, not ours, and sometimes, not surprisingly, the priorities of the Lord are different to ours. Sometimes we're focused on our comfort. He's focused on saving someone's life, which might have to come at the cost of our discomfort. So right there is a clash of priorities. And when we really, really, really want the thing that we want, which is the thing that Jesus is asking us, apparently, to give up in order to be about doing his will and living out his priorities for life, then you know something? It takes faith to do that. That's the sort of faith we're talking about today. Because for anyone whose heart is set on following Jesus... This clash of priorities between what we want and what he wants for our lives is anything but a theory lesson. The more we set our hearts on following Jesus, the more this clash of priorities is going to confront us. And it's not just a clash between the bad things we want to do and the good things that Jesus wants us to do, but in fact, very often, it can be a clash between the good things that we want to do and the good things but different things that Jesus wants us to do. I want to tell you about a man today whom I know quite well. He's the head of a ministry organisation, and whilst for many years he'd led that organisation and performed his work with great skill, there came a time when it was obvious to everyone in Sundry that God had taken his anointing off this man. God was ready to appoint a new leader, and it was time for this faithful servant to move on. The world had moved on. He hadn't changed with the environment, and so his ministry was no longer being as effective as it could be. It's not a criticism, that's just the way it happens sometimes. Sometimes the Lord will have us in a place doing marvellous things for him, but it's only for a time. And, And when that time's over, when God's ready to move us on for his plans and his purposes, 
you know, it doesn't matter how much of a blessing that time's been. It doesn't matter how much fruit there was out of that person in that place and that time. When God is done, he's done. The man didn't move on. He clung to the leadership of that organization. And so this healthy, vibrant ministry, a very large ministry, a ministry that was having a huge impact around the world, went into decline. It found itself in massive debt, and after many decades of being powerfully used of God, it started to lose its relevance, its edge, its supporter base, its impact. That's what happens when we hang on to something beyond the time that God set. So you see, it's difficult to let go of even the good things we're doing for God because it's easy for them to become more important than God. We begin to do what the Bible says. We begin to worship the works of our own hands. We begin to put even the ministry and, and our role and our position in it ahead of God and his will. Does that make sense? Here at the Ministry of Christianity Works, producing these radio programs and sharing the good news of Jesus with millions of people each week around the world, can I tell you, I absolutely love doing what God has me doing. It's such a joy and delight to see the reach and impact of the ministry grow, to to read the letters and the emails from people whose lives have been touched and transformed as they've received the Word of God. There's absolutely nothing I'd rather be doing with my life right now. But a prayer that I pray regularly is, Lord, when you're done with me, when my time is over in this place, please make it clear to me, because at that time, I want to move on. At that time, I want to hand it over to the next person and go and do what you want me to do. If and when that time comes, I have to tell you, having poured my heart and soul into this, that's not going to be easy. When that time comes, I know it's going to take faith to let it go and to move on to the next thing that the Lord has for me, if that's the way he's thinking. So so let's now meet a different man, Abraham, who had exactly this problem. Age 75, God calls him out of his comfortable life in his ancestral home with the promise of many descendants. Now, Abraham and his wife Sarah were childless, and at this age you'd have to say there was absolutely no prospect of ever having kids and with the promise of a new land as well. The promised land. So at age 75, they head off on a journey which takes them over hill and dale for over a quarter of a century. But eventually, when they're over 100 years old, God fulfills his promise and Sarah bears a son called Isaac. Can you imagine how they doted on this boy? Obviously too much because God called Abraham to sacrifice Isaac to him on an altar. Man, how could the Lord do that? And so Abraham went, and he did that. You can read the original version back in the book of Genesis. But here's how the New Testament author of the book of Hebrews puts it a couple of thousand years later. Hebrews chapter 11, beginning at verse 17. By faith Abraham, when put to the test, offered up Isaac. He who had received the promises was ready to offer up his only son, of whom he'd been told, it is through Isaac that descendants shall be named for you. He considered the fact that God is able even to raise someone from the dead, and figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. Chances are that you know what happened in this story. At the last minute, an angel of the Lord appears and stops the sacrifice. God didn't want the child dead. The Lord wanted to make sure that Isaac hadn't supplanted him as the Lord of Abraham's life. And here's the key phrase in that passage we just read. Here's the the crux of what I'm rabbiting on about today. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 17. By faith, Abraham, when put to the test, offered up Isaac. 
Isaac was Abraham's miracle child, born as the very promise of God when Abraham was already a hundred plus years old. And yet even this good, wonderful fulfilment of God's promise, Isaac, he had to lay down by faith at God's feet. And my friend, that's the sort of faith that God is looking for in us. The faith to make him Lord of our lives. The faith to put him ahead of everyone and everything else in our lives even the good things, even the things God's blessed our socks off with, everything. And so calling Jesus Lord, well, that's easy. Living out the lordship and the kingship and and the reign and the rule of God in our lives, placing him above everything else. Now, that's hard. It was hard for Abraham back then, and it's still hard for you and me right now. That's why it takes faith to call Jesus Lord, sacrificial faith to put him first. Diamond, and you're listening to Christianity Works. I just want to take a moment during this short break to share something truly important with you. As you've probably heard me say before, the only sort of faith that the Bible teaches about is the sort that has powerful results. And yet so many people who believe in Jesus struggle to live out that sort of faith. Well, that's why I'd love to send you a free copy of our latest life application booklet. It's called Having the Sort of Faith That Conquers the World. It's full of life-changing, practical Bible teaching to help you live in the victory that Jesus died and rose again to give you. To request your free copy, stop by our mobile-friendly website, ChristianityWorks.com, or give us a call toll-free on 1-300-722-415, and I'll send your free booklet straight out to you in the post. Again, that's online at ChristianityWorks.com or toll-free on 1-300-722-415. Now, if the truth be known, you and I would be entirely happy in following after Jesus if it was always convenient. You know, it always suits your agenda, fits in with your plans, doesn't ever get uncomfortable. <laughs> right. So when God calls us to do something that's inconvenient, well... That takes some faith, and it takes the sort of faith that's going to ignore the inconvenience in order to get back about the business of what God's calling us to do. So let's dive back into God's Word and take a look. One of the things I dislike intensely in life is being inconvenienced. I guess it's my Western upbringing combined with my outcome-oriented personality type. But when I have a plan, I have a plan. And I find it so annoying when someone gets in my road and slows me down or or even upsets my apple cart, and what they do ends up completely ruining my plans, and I have to do something utterly different. I'm driving along in my car. There's a traffic light ahead. It's green, but I know it's about to turn amber and then red, and yet the car in front of me is travelling just slow enough, for no good reason, so that he gets through but I'm caught by the red light. How can he do that? How can he just drive so slowly? How could he waste my time like that? See, that's just me. I don't get it. I know it's a trivial example, but sometimes that inconvenience factor can be much bigger. A breakdown on the freeway so I miss an international flight, a change in the global economy so this asset you were thinking of selling is now worth a fraction of what it was worth when you started thinking about selling it. And on the list goes... The number of things in this world that can conspire together to inconvenience us. Well, man, the list is just endless. But what if it's God? 
what if God is in the business of inconveniencing you with his ideas and his plans and his take on how things should turn out? Then what do we do? I don't think I've ever heard a message or a sermon on what to do when God inconveniences you. Have you? Well, it happens, and so that's what we're talking about right now. In fact, you'll find it in the Bible. So because it's there, we're going to have a look at it. And not just because it's there, fantastic though that is, but also because if you're someone whose plan is to follow hard after Jesus, then one of the things that you're going to discover is that God's plan isn't always convenient. And even though we're all different, none of us is too pleased about inconveniences, even when we're inconvenienced by God. Over these last few weeks, we've been spending some time in Hebrews chapter 11. It starts out with a very simple, very clear definition of what faith is in verse 1. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. And then it tells us that faith is absolutely vital in pleasing God. Verse 2, indeed, by faith, our ancestors received approval. And verse 6, without faith, it's impossible to please God, for whoever would approach him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. And then it sets out giving us a whole bunch of examples of different situations and circumstances in which we need faith, and that's what we've been looking at in this series so far. And one of those circumstances in which we need faith is when God is apparently in the business of inconveniencing us. Well, maybe that's a little bit unfair. Let's put it another way. When doing the right thing, following after what we know is right, is just going to be downright inconvenient. And so the choice is between going for the lesser thing, the lower option, which is convenient from our perspective, or going for the greater thing and the higher thing, the God thing, even though it's intensely inconvenient. So here's what Hebrews chapter 11 has to say about this particular faith choice, beginning at verse 24. By faith, Moses, when he'd grown up, refused to be called a son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to share the ill treatment with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered abuse suffered for the Christ to be greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking ahead to the reward. By faith he left Egypt, unafraid of the king's anger, for he persevered as though he saw him who is invisible. By faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of the blood, so that the destroyer of the firstborn would not touch the firstborn of Israel. I love this passage, because you know what it tells me? It tells me that the faith that Moses had in his heart completely trumped the inconvenience factor. How often have you struggled with the inconvenience of getting about God's business, going and helping that difficult friend, again, who just can't seem to get their act together, honouring a marriage partner, husband or wife, that given the way they're acting up right now, just doesn't deserve your honour, supporting an arrogant or an incompetent boss in your workplace, even though it's not fair that he's taking the credit for your work, walking away from the lunch table at work to the sneers of your colleagues when they start telling the dirty jokes, going the extra mile, turning the other cheek, laying down your life for others. See, those are inconvenient things to do. Moses could have chosen the comfort of Pharaoh's place. Instead, by striking down an Egyptian that was abusing one of his fellow Hebrews, he found himself on the run, beyond the wilderness, tending his father-in-law's sheep and then having to confront Pharaoh when he was 80 years old to lead God's people out of their slavery through the Red Sea and then contend with and lead these grumbling Israelites for another 40 years 
on their journey through the wilderness. Look again what it says about Moses. By faith, Moses refused to stay in the comfort of Pharaoh's house. By faith, he considered suffering to be greater than the comfort looking forward to his reward. By faith, he left Egypt unafraid of the king's anger. By faith, he participated in God's miracle by keeping the Passover. How did Moses overcome the inconvenience factor? By faith. It seems to me that faith is our proactive tool for overcoming the lethargy and the inertia that we feel towards doing inconvenient things. Faith is like the thing that changes our hearts to get out there and to be about God's business, inconvenient though it may be. And as we're going to see a little bit later, faith isn't something we conjure up. It's not a feeling that you whip up and, and through emotionalism. The Bible tells us that faith is a gift from God. I can't tell you the number of times I haven't had what it takes to get out there and to do what God's calling me to do. Hey, even Moses had that problem. You can read about the argument he had with God in Exodus chapter 3. So where do we go to get that faith? How, how do we get the courage to step out into those incredibly inconvenient places? I only know one way. In my study with the door closed, the book open, completely alone, when everyone else is still asleep, I go and ask God to give me the faith that I need. Dear Holy Spirit, I sense that this is what you're calling me to do, but I'm, I'm sure I don't have the faith to make it happen. I'm not even sure I have the faith to take the first step. And this is what happens. He's never, ever failed me. He just gives me just enough faith to get going, to get started. A mustard seed amount of faith. The tiniest amount, it seems. Nowhere near enough to get the job done. But then last time I checked, Jesus said that all I needed was the mustard seed size of faith. And that was enough to move mountains. With a mustard seed of faith, nothing is impossible by faith. Bernie Diamond and you're listening to Christianity Works. I'd like to tell you about a free daily resource that I'd love to send you to help you draw ever closer to God. It's called Fresh, a short daily devotional, a powerful scripture verse together with some words of inspiration, hope and encouragement delivered right to the inbox on your smartphone, tablet or computer each and every day. Or if you prefer, you can now also receive a printed version delivered right to your letterbox. To get instant access either to the digital or the printed version of Fresh, stop by our mobile-friendly website, ChristianityWorks.com. You'll see the Fresh e-devotional sign-up right there at the top of the homepage. Or if you prefer, give us a call toll-free on 1-300-722-415 to request the printed Fresh devotional. It's completely up to you. Again, that's online at ChristianityWorks.com or toll free on 1300 722 415. Sign up to receive Fresh and may your heart be touched and transformed as you draw ever closer to Jesus through His Word. Now, when we face trials, and don't we all, it has a way of undermining your faith. We know, I mean, we know in theory that following after Jesus isn't always going to be easy. But deep down, we want it to be easy. We expect it to be easy. Fair enough if God calls other people into trials and tribulations, but me, me, I'm special. God wouldn't do that to me. And yet he does. And when he does, he can feel as though he's not upholding his end of the bargain. Let's take a look in the few minutes that we have left together today. Thank you. 
The reason that talking about faith is such a challenging thing is that God's ways aren't always our ways. His thoughts aren't always our thoughts. And so as a result, things don't always work out the way we'd like them to or the way we think they should do. Have you have you noticed that? Now, that's something we're going to talk about a lot more next week. But right now, I just want to pause and rest with you for a while to think about stuff going on in your life, to think about the last time you believed. I mean, really believed, believed and believed and believed and believed that God would deliver on something and he just didn't seem to show up. I'm not talking about winning the lottery or getting promotion or anything like that. I'm talking about believing God for something good, something that would honour God, something that would be so good if it happened. And he just didn't show up. I've been there lots of times. A few years back, I kicked off a daily program, a 10-minute radio program called A Different Perspective, and really it was triggered for one particular radio station, a big one. They were a music format station, and so they needed something shorter than a half-hour program. I prayed, I felt led, I prayed again, and so that program was born. That was about mm, six years ago. And I was believing specifically for a really good time slot that I knew was becoming vacant on this particular station because I wanted to reach as many people with the word of God as I could. Do you know that to this day that still hasn't happened? They play the program at 4am in the morning. Great, there are still many people listening at 4am. But the thing I trusted God for, the thing I believed for, the thing I threw myself into was that specific time slot on that big station that I knew was about to become vacant and it's never, ever happened, at least not yet. To tell you the truth, for a good many years, it felt like it felt like God broke a promise. I mean, really, I really felt led to go and do that and to go with it and to make it happen, but God didn't seem to show up and, and make it happen from his end. But can I tell you what he did do? Can I tell you what did happen? First, I learned that faith is about keeping going when God is doing something different. Faith is trusting that he has heard me. He, he does know what he's doing and that he will work it out in the end. That was the very first lesson. And it's a lesson that I've had to learn and to relearn over and over again. But it's a lesson that's borne much fruit in my life. Do you know how easy it is to get bitter with God because he doesn't seem to show up? And so then we get all angry and bitter and twisted and our fellowship is interrupted. We stop walking in the spirit and we start walking in the flesh. See, what's happened as a result of him calling me to do that 10-minute program is that now, all these years later, I've written and recorded, let me see, a couple of thousand of those 10-minute programs and they've been listened to week after week by millions of other people around the world. In fact, it's that 10-minute program that's become the flagship program of this ministry, Christianity Works, as more and more stations have moved to a predominantly music format rather than a talk format. You see, God knew what he was doing. He knew what he wanted me to do. He knew he wanted me to go and develop that 10-minute program. But by not giving me the whole picture, he also took the opportunity to test my faith to grow my faith in him. And now I'm sharing that with you. And, and God only knows how many other people around the world. God is totally amazing. He works things out, well, so much better than you or I ever could on our own, don't you think? He doesn't waste a thing. I mean, right there when it's happening in that micro moment, when it feels like God has forsaken us, God is taking the time and the opportunity to test our faith 
and to grow our faith. He takes every opportunity to grow us into maturity through the adversities he calls us through. That's what his word says. That's exactly what he teaches us. James chapter 1, beginning at verse 2. My brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of any kind, consider it nothing but pure joy, because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its full effect, so that you may be mature and complete and lacking in nothing. It's not always what we want to hear, but that's what we need to hear. So coming back to your life and your trials, your times when when God's appeared not to show up, what do you think? What are you going to do about it? How are you going to react? Because right here in this place is where the rubber of your faith hits the road. So often we drive hard in our lives to get the outcome that we were looking for. We somehow believe that our plans are better than God's plans. I somehow believed when I was missing out on that particular time slot, on that particular radio station, that my plans were so much better than God's plans. God should have realized the opportunity to reach so many people in that city by being on that station in that time slot. And yet his plan was so different. His plan was much bigger. His plan was a plan that I couldn't have dreamed up in a million years to take the word of God farther and wider and to more people than I ever could have imagined. So often we have a micro view and and if we hang on to that view and if we fight God, we'll miss out on the big thing. We'll miss out on the great things that God's doing and we'll miss out on growing our faith. That's pretty much all we have time for today. But before I go, there's something very important that I need to share with you. This program, Christianity Works, is encouraging so many people in over 160 countries to grow in their faith, to live in the victory that Jesus died and rose again to give them. But that's only possible through the generous support of friends like you. Each dollar that you give towards the ministry of Christianity Works today will help reach over 2,500 people with a gospel message. So a gift of, say, $35 can touch over 85,000 people with the good news of Jesus Christ. That's amazing. So let me encourage you to give a generous tax-deductible gift to Christianity Works today. You can do that right now, securely online, by visiting our mobile-friendly website, ChristianityWorks.com, or by calling 1-300-722-415. Again, that's online at ChristianityWorks.com, or toll-free on 1-300-722-415. Thank you so much for your support and for joining me today. I'm Bernie Diamond. I'll catch you again same time next week with another message of God's love, God's grace, and God's power for each one of us in Jesus Christ. taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.